I, I couldn't move. Like someone had frozen every bone in my body. Trapped in this parallel version of Naui's room. But all wasn't lost. In my head, I could hear Naui's reassuring voice telling me that they were on their way. She'd heard the panic in my thoughts, and there was suddenly this wave of relief that washed over me. And I thought, how odd. In all the time that I'd known Naui, I'd never been inside her room. The reason for that was Jima, of course. I was terrified of her. But in that moment, inside a parallel version of Naui's room, I wished that I'd see a flash of silver hair or that gnarled walking stick as Jima struck this creature down with lightning speed. Then I thought, Naui's close. I could feel it. Any moment. She'd be here. Wherever here was. If O's theory was correct, it wasn't just Naui's room that was parallel. It was this entire planet. Naui and O came in like missiles, glass scattering through the air. As I recall it, it was quite dramatic, like an action movie. And uh, I was pumped for about the first split second. The next second, the tiny shards of glass went into slow motion, as if reality had somehow turned into video footage and someone had slowed down the speed. I remember Naui and O with this fierce look in their faces, inching ahead at turtle speed. But what was really, really strange about this was their facial expression. It didn't slow down like the rest of their body. Their expressions moved at normal speed. And I can remember that they both looked astonished. Then time seemed to stop. But I could still think and I could still feel Naui's thoughts as she was completely, completely focused on somehow breaking away from this and getting to that snake. Then a voice, deep and smooth. The kind of voice that you could fall asleep to when you went to bed. My dear Eric, it said, just because something scares you doesn't mean that it's evil. And I thought about all the things that popped into my head when I imagined snakes, poison, Adam and Eve, slithering. Well, it was definitely right. I did think it was evil, and the fact that it had told me that it was the god of creation wasn't anywhere near a thought in my head. You okay? That was Naui reaching out telepathically, and I wasn't okay. What did this thing want? Was it Seth in this world? And if it was Seth, wow. 
this version of the God of War could actually control time. We didn't stand a chance. Dear Nawi, half-god and warrior of the Lightning Tribe, Eric, brave human and loving brother, and oh, son of Osiris, god of the underworld. I need your help. Interesting. The snake that can control time and has got us exactly where it wants us needs our help. Well, we had no choice but to listen. As I have said, in this reality, I am Quetzalcoatl, god of creation. And Amani, my daughter, is in grave danger. If you need our help, Naui said, why are you holding us like this? Because I need you to listen. But there isn't much time. As that will of yours, as strong as Amani's, is tiring me out. And I don't know how much longer I can hold you. Well, he wasn't lying, that's for sure. What made Naui powerful wasn't just about the fact that she had super strength. Even before she was able to use her godly powers, it was her will that made her, in my mind, the strongest of all warriors in the tribe. Even stronger than Jima. There was nothing, at least in our universe, that could bend or break that will of hers. You call it Commander Ock in your world, but in this one, it is known as Ayahuasca, Commander of Huitzilopochtli's army. In your world, you know him as Seth, God of War, and Ayahuasca was the only one to escape after we defeated him and his army. What's the what? <laughs> Honestly, it was one unpronounceable name after the next, and I was getting tired of it. Quetzalcoatl went on. It captured Enrique, Amani's best friend, and Amani has gone after it, as it suspected she would. I am afraid it is leading her into a trap. If Amani is anything like you, I don't suspect she'll need our help, Naui said. The snake took us in with its tiny reptilian eyes, and I could feel its worry. There was no doubt about it. The armor could pick up on powerful emotion, and yeah, I could feel it. She believes, truly believes that she needs no one. But that's only to protect her heart, Quetzalcoatl said. And slowly, this snake was beginning to win me over. The love I sensed from it was overwhelming, almost like 
<laughs> thinking, wow, how crazy it would be to compare this snake to Wusa, the goddess of creation. And Naui, the expression on her face, as well as the emotions I was sensing from her, told me that she understood Amani completely, and why wouldn't she? Amani was literally another version of my sister. If this wasn't all a trick, of course. But at that point, I didn't think it was. Then O asked about the tribe, said we didn't know anything about this reality. It was an alien world to us, which was true. It was like everything was familiar, but it was completely different at the same time. Extremely confusing. So where was their version of the tribe? Why couldn't he order them to help her? And for the first time, I began thinking about different versions of Jima, Asha the Seeker, Safina, and New Nubia. What was it called here? So many questions. Yes, I know, Eric. It makes your brain feel like it's going to burst. And I thought, here we go again with God's reading my mind. Then it told O that the war over creation that was fought in this reality wasn't the same as the one we fought in ours. The tribe was almost wiped out, and the survivors, well, they needed to rest or they wouldn't survive. All the survivors except one, Nawadl, my buscadora, or what you would call a seeker, now he said, finishing his sentence. Nawadl was hurt while searching for the commander and is still recovering. So you see, I have no one, the snake said, trailing off. And I was realizing, I was realizing that this being was far more than a snake. Suddenly, Quetzalcoatl's eyes flashed with golden light, and both Naui and O rocketed the rest of the way, crashing into the floor. They were both on their feet a split second later, and I was suddenly feeling like I could soar again. You have us, Naui said, looking at the snake, and I knew she felt the same thing I was feeling. This being, Quetzalcoatl, regardless of what it looked like, was Wusa, just in another form. Yes, Eric, he said in that moment. I am Wusa, but I am Quetzalcoatl, too. We are, and have always been, and will always be. Well, I wasn't sure what that meant or whatever, but... I did know that Quetzalcoatl was on our side. We're wasting time here, Naui said. If I were the commander, my first and only thought would be to free my master. I looked at Quetzalcoatl and asked him 
if Amani had the power of creation like Naui did? The gods said, yes, she did, but she didn't know it yet. Then, for some reason, I wondered about Amani's mother. Had Quetzalcoatl wiped her memory the same way that Wusa had wiped my father's memory? I had this feeling that the god heard these thoughts like the others, but, well, he didn't mention anything. The commander's headed for the prison, Naui said, and he's going to try and use Amani's power to help him to free the god of war. And by the way, this wasn't just a theory in Naui's mind. I could see the certainty, the certainty in her eyes. She was 100% sure, and perhaps that had something to do with her connection with Amani, who was, after all, another version of her. I remembered how we'd chased Ock in the beginning, accidentally freeing Funza along the way, and as a result, giving Seth his opportunity to escape. Something that I was certain, by the way, that still weighed on Naui like a planet. If she could fix this in this reality and keep the god of war imprisoned, then it might take some of that weight off. Well, I was pretty sure that's what she thought, because she was already heading for the window. Then <laughs> she paused. I think she'd forgotten that we were in a different reality. She asked the god if he could transport us to the prison, but Quetzalcoatl said that he didn't create it. Then O, who had again been more quiet than usual, said in a whisper, God of the underworld. Yes, O, my dear brother sculpted the prison with his bare hands, making it one of the levels of the underworld in this reality. He took all of the anger, all the pain that the god of war had caused and used it to forge a prison that was inescapable. But if one has the power of creation, anything is possible. Even escape from a prison that is impossible to escape from. So how do we get to this place, Naui asked. But she wasn't asking the god. She was asking O, who looked sick to his stomach. I had this feeling that he didn't want to meet this version of his father. I wasn't exactly sure why, but I had a sense that this version of Osiris was far different from the eccentric, brilliantly creative being that he knew. Oh, shrugged his shoulders, and Quetzalcoatl gently said, Oh, doesn't know, but you do, Naui. The power of creation, with it, anything was possible. Despite the lessons with Osiris, Naui was still learning this. She stared at Aja, her weapon. Despite the lessons with Osiris and the journey we'd taken to that planet that orbited Seth's star, she still doubted herself, still doubted her powers. 
within the grasp of your mind, Quetzalcoatl said, you have the most powerful tool in the history of all universes, the power of creation. Now, if you want to get there, he went on, close your eyes and see it. Now he nodded, shut her eyes, and Aja was suddenly glowing brilliantly. Well, that hadn't happened before, I thought. The staff, immersed in the glow, extended through the ceiling and expanded wide enough to fit the three of us. The glow faded, and we were standing at the foot of a tunnel. The three of us stared inside, and there was only darkness. Quetzalcoatl slithered closer, and I couldn't help but squirm just a little bit. I knew he was Wusa, or another version of Wusa, that is, but the whole snake thing still freaked me out. What about home? I don't know why I thought about it in that moment. Of all moments, we had our own god of war to deal with, and it suddenly occurred to me that we might be in this place for quite some time. The tribe needed Naui, that is, our version of the tribe. And then I thought, how would we even get home if we wanted to? Could Naui do the same thing to get us home? Or was it impossible to ever get back? If the god of war escapes in this reality, it would be the end of existence as you understand it. He is not interested in remaking creation. He is only interested in destroying it. They have the tribe in our world, now he said. Here, there is no one. There was a shared silence as we allowed that to sink in. It wasn't our world or universe, but if this god of war was as ruthless as Quetzalcoatl said he was, he wouldn't stop with just one universe. Now he turned, kneeled down, and gently stroked one of Quetzalcoatl's glowing wings. We'll get her back, now he said gently. And suddenly, Quetzalcoatl was in our head. And he said telepathically, Always remember, though I cannot be with you physically, I will be right here in your thoughts. Now we stood, and together we entered the tunnel. In that moment, we were suddenly surrounded by golden light, and I felt an acceleration that literally stole the breath from my lungs. I would have screamed my head off, but a split second after this acceleration had begun, we slowed down. Wow. Another first. It appeared that Naui's powers were changing, or should I say, evolving. At one point, we were inching forward. Then we stopped. I looked at O, who looked shell-shocked, and 
Maui, <laughs> she was smiling. Didn't know I could do that, she said, looking at us both. Then she faced forward and went into warrior mode, taking the lead. The darkness was still thick, but the golden light emanating from Aja, who'd instantly shrunk back into a staff the moment we stepped out of the tunnel, revealed that we were in a cave. The rock was smooth and looked as if it had been meticulously carved out. Then I caught a reflection of Aja's glow off the surface of the cave and noticed that we were standing on what appeared to be a dark path, and to the left was, well, it looked like black liquid glass. Hmm. And it remained completely still and was almost, well, mirror-like. But we were unable to see our reflection, which was odd to me. We all stood there for a bit. Then Naoi pushed forward. The moment she took her first step, the mirror-like substance on the ground turned into a surging river. Even though I wasn't in the river... The power of it was enough to make me feel like it would draw me in, and I grabbed Naoi instinctively. Naoi quickly threw my hands off and extended Aja out, using it like a flashlight. The Black River seemed to go on and on into the distance as far as my eyes could see, and I couldn't sense anything. The armor wasn't working at all, and when I told Naoi and O this, they simply nodded and kept moving forward. What if we didn't find Amani? She could be here, like Naoi thought, or anywhere else. What if she was wrong? The further we moved down, the more powerful the current got. Fatima was an endless ocean that contained a giant octopus, but at least I knew the octopus was there. And what was that? The three of us stopped, and out of the corner of my eye, I could see something emerging from the river. It was a, a dark figure, featureless, forged from the water that it came from. Now we whipped around toward the river entity and others began emerging. They were suddenly too many to count and they were everywhere. Then a different being emerged. It was tall and lanky, but there was something else. Something that I just couldn't wrap my mind around. It looked like a... a a skeleton, and it had to be 10, maybe 15 feet tall. It was all bone, with the exception of its eyes that were like fireballs burning out of control. And it said, I am Miklan the Quitling, Lord of the Dead. Welcome to the Underworld. On October 21st, the adventure continued 
and coming soon, prepare yourself for the chronicles of Detective Bender and the super secret adventures of George. Stay tuned.